Hey guys, it's Roz, your host on Recharge, Rebuild and Restore. Come join me at 7pm every Sunday to empower people from all walks of life with life lessons, shared stories, tricks and tips for life. Come follow me at R3NRoth. The following episode deals with mental health, a subject matter extremely important for our community to discuss. However, this may be sensitive to our young audience. Listeners' discretion is advised. Hey guys, welcome back to Recharge, Rebuild, and Restore. R3 with me, Roth. I'm so excited and honored today to interview an old friend of mine. She was a formal special educator, a wife, a mom-to-be, or a mother-to-be, I should say, uh-huh. an auntie to many, a woman to the community, and a woman of God. She's also a co-host of the gospel program, Mind, Soul, and Spirit, on CKUT 90.3 FM Radio, where she graced us every Sunday with her powerful house of a voice, Miss Jennifer Bellow. Welcome to the podcast, madam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing quite well, actually. Uh, I'm in the restored portion of my life right now. Wow. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear all the stories and to hear all the information you have to share with us. (laughs) Well, you know, in terms of the pandemic, how would you say it affected you in a negative way or a positive way? Um, I have to say that the pandemic was good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that that might sound odd to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I had a chance to reconnect with my sister during the pandemic because we had to, you know, we had to form our bubbles. And so my bubble became my immediate family. So it was myself, my mom, my husband, and my sister and her kids, as well as her husband. But definitely my sister and I developed a stronger, closer relationship full of unspoken love. Um, <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. And, and I have to say, so that was great. And you know what? I realized that running around like a chicken without a head was not working for me. Right. And so it just felt good to have time. It's almost like we got permission. All of us got permission to slow down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. So there is no um, negative, really, just a positive came out of COVID for you. Well, I mean, the negative. I lost people in my family. And the worst part of losing them was not the loss but the inability to go through the rituals of mourning. Right. So the inability right. to go and be with a large crowd, uh, one, you know, one comforting another, uh, reminiscing, laughing together, crying together. Um, the first funeral I had to attend was uh, for somebody who I considered a father figure. And I was despondent. I was beside myself. Because I couldn't go to his family. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hug anybody. I couldn't say to anybody, I'm so sorry. I'm sharing in your sadness and I'm sharing in your loss. And, um, you know, I attended my first funeral via YouTube. And I, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> Same, for sure. Mm-hmm. You cannot have the connection where you can hug someone and consult them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what would you say... Being, as you say, with your family, but what else would say you miss out of not being um, close to others, as you said, oh, in the pandemic? That's the easy one. Church. I miss church. I miss. The praise and worship, girl. I miss my Friday evening rehearsals with the praise team. I miss getting dressed up on Saturday morning, being late because I am. <laughs> I have issues with time. Um, I I I miss church. I miss the community. 
community of church. I miss all the little kids. I miss, you know, like you said in, in the intro, I'm auntie to many. So I am auntie at church. I'm the one who always has snacks in my bag. I'm the one who runs. Yeah, I'm the one who runs to every crying baby and tells the mom, take a break. I'll take the child for you. Um, so I miss that community. I really do. Well, I hope soon we can be able to go back to not the way it were, but try to do something different where we could all be join our family and friends and just our community, you know what I mean? Because it's really um it's really hard and difficult. So tell the audience a little about who you are, Miss Jennifer. <laughs> um, I am <laughs> I'm thinking of uh who sings I'm every woman. <laughs> okay, well, you're gonna sing that for me later too. But just tell us now who you are. <laughs> well, I'm I'm every woman, um, in the sense that I'm not unique. Uh, I am of Caribbean descent, uh, francophone. For those who don't know, um, I'm a daughter. Um, but I think I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a leader. <clears throat> I'm a I'm a disciple, but I think uh, more than anything, before what we're going to talk about, I was superwoman. Right. Right. Uh, so I was everything to everyone except to myself. Mm. Mm. Self-love. Mm. Mm. So right now I'm learning how to be superwoman minus minus. Wow. Yeah. Please explain. Please. So I can't change the fact that I love to help. I can't change the fact that I love to be around people and I, I always want to be able to say yes. But when I say minus minus, I've now learned that the first person to whom I should be superwoman is myself and not others. And right. Selfish love. Yeah. And so love God first, love me second. And what's left over is for people. So that's, I think that's who I am today. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning uh, how to say no. I'm learning how to be superwoman minus minus. <laughs> so what makes you become so aware of yourself now that you can say no? What happened to you that you can now say, you know what? I need to love myself first before I can love others. Um, so are we getting into the meat of it now? <laughs> yes, we are. So um, I'm a very private person, and I think I told you this before. Um, you know, yeah. I've been on the radio for 20 years, and I've, I've shared a lot of myself with the community, but there are also some parts of myself that I chose um, to keep private, to keep my own. Um, right. So I think I've always intimated at, you know, the fact that I have struggled, but I've never really, really spoken about it. So... What happened to make me realize that I needed to subtract some of the super from my woman um, was going through a major depressive episode. Um, and I, episode is an understatement, but uh, being diagnosed with uh, major depressive disorder um, and right. kind of relearning how to be, that's, uh, that, that's what made that's the change. Lot. That's a lot. How old are you? How old are you when you get diagnosed with depression? So in reality, I was diagnosed with depression at the age of 14. Wow. Right. But it was manageable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I, because depression at 14, people don't really take it seriously. And neither did I because it's like teenage angst, right? All teenagers are a little right. overly emotional. Mm -hmm. Right. Because of the hormones are changing. Right. Mm. And I, I was a smart enough kid that I, I understood that that just meant that I was a little bit more sensitive. Um, but I didn't take the diagnosis for everything that it was. Um, mm. But in 2018, I went through probably the worst experience of, I want to say my life, but my life has been kind of tough. So I'd say one of the top three worst experiences of my life. And my brain just went, like, my brain went on a total shutdown. Wow. Um, and even the diagnosis, 
took a long time because um, the psychiatrist could not agree on whether or not I, I was going through what they call situational depression or if I had indeed right. major depressive disorder. Mm -hmm. You 14 as, as, as children, you know, you know that you're going to the hormones, but then you said you was diagnosed. So when you was diagnosed, how low did you fall that you had to go to the psychiatrist to get that help that you needed to be where you are right okay. now in your life? So um, I went through what many women go through, um, but it, it was devastating to me. I, I lost a child in 2018. Wow. So sorry Thank to you. hear that. Um, I didn't tell many people I was pregnant because I hadn't reached my 12, my 12 week mark yet. So my immediate family knew my best friends knew. Um, and by best friends, I mean like two or three of my friends. And of course my husband knew. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Right. Um, but you know, this, it was so joyous because we had planned it. We, you know, we did everything that we were supposed to do, you know, timing yourself and what's your temperature and make sure your legs are up. Like, we, you know, we, this was a planned pregnancy. This was not an oops. Taking all the precautions you can, so you can have a happy and healthy right. baby at the right, right time. And so when I got pregnant, I was so happy. I was so elated. And so was my husband. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, we, we tried this. It happened. Oh my gosh, we're so happy. And, um, right. Unfortunately, I I lost a child um, just before the eleven week mark, and That's you know what I I mean I I talk a lot now in retrospect because I've learned so much about myself, but my brain went into what it usually does. It just went numb and didn't react to the situation mm. right away. So. You know, the doctors tried to nudge me a little bit in trying to make sure that I understood that I now had a dead fetus in my stomach. And oh I, I was kind of numb in my response. I just kind of went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I drove myself mm -hmm. home, and that was that. Um, now the so it didn't sink in yet. It didn't sink in in, in the mindset yet. It didn't sink in. It was just like very cloudy. You know, just right. Emotions. I mean, there were just words. Words. There's no heartbeat. Those were the words. And, um, you know, I kind of went home and I called my husband and I told him. Um, and I think I called a friend of mine who's a pastor in Toronto and because he had been praying with me this whole time. So I was like, uh, yo, Paul, I think, uh, you know, there's no more heartbeat. And he was really sweet about it. But the pastor kept you know, I say the pastor, but he's my friend. So my friend just kept calling me, you know, every week or so just to make sure I was okay. And the nurses um, are actually the ones who saved my life. Because um, I was given medication in order to be able to expel the fetus. Um, because right. the state of my uterus was such that I could not have a curtage. So I, they could not mechanically go in and remove the fetus. I had to expel it on my own. So we're talking right. April 2018. Um, the doctors, I have to say, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but uh, <laughs> the doctors were quite insensitive to the whole thing. It, it was just, you know, okay, no heartbeat, next. <laughs> oh. well, you know, sometimes to, it doesn't, it's not to say that they don't have, sometimes to some of them, they don't have no bad manners, I think. Sometimes they're not, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. overworked as well, but sometimes to they get, the person to they just caught because you like a number, right? But you're not a number. You're a right. person. Have feelings, and you're going through right now with the emotions right. and loss of a baby. So, I mean, I'm talking now as a person who is three years removed from the situation, right? I was very angry at the time. Wow. Mm -hmm. I was angry at the doctors. Right. I was superbly angry at my creator. Um. Because I thought that had to be the most unfair thing to happen. You don't let somebody fall in love with a child and then, what, no heartbeat? So um, I went home with my medication, took it, and waited for the fetus to come out. Um, but when I went home, I didn't go lie down in my bed. 
I kind of just closed all the windows and blinds and laid down on the sofa. And I can't tell you how many days went by. Um, I didn't answer my phone. The only time I answered the phone is when the nurses were calling because they kept calling me to check up on me. You know, Madame Berlot, how are you? Um, have, has the medication worked? Are you bleeding? How's it going? Um, and, you know, I was like, medication didn't work. It's there. Um, I'm fine, I guess. And then um, in May, there was an all-night prayer meeting at a church in the East End. Now, I still haven't expelled the baby. And remember that the heartbeat was no longer available as of April the 6th. So we're now in... Well, so how many days, right now, one minute. So how many days now this fetus is in your, your body that so, is dead? Well, where I'm at in the story, we're a month in, oh. right? Oh, no. And they've given me multiple doses of the medication to expel the fetus. It's not coming out. So now oh, I'm having a disbelief conversation with God saying, well, if the medication is not working, then somebody made a mistake. And this baby is still alive. So I go to an all-night prayer meeting in the month of May, and my purpose for going to that prayer meeting was to plead with God to say, you know, let me know wow. that if this thing is still in my stomach, then it's got to it's got to be alive. Like there was a mistake made somewhere. Um, and I had the pastors pray with me. They laid hands on me. The whole nine. Um, and now I'm still going to church. I'm still praising, worshiping. I'm still going to work. <laughs> but how could you, how could you have this dead fuse in your body and living like everything is okay and you get home and you just stays there in your, on your couch and don't talk to anyone? I, I was just numb. I was just numb. Yeah. And so we fast forward to the month of June um, I'm at a practice, uh, I'm at a praise and worship rehearsal with another singer, um, and I felt a pain in my back, and I went, to the, I went to the ladies' room, and that's when I noticed that I had started to bleed. So this is June the 10th. So we went from April the 6th to now June the 10th, which means I had a dead fetus in my body for two months. And so I tell the girls, listen, I can't stay. I'm not feeling very well. They didn't even, they didn't know the whole time what was happening. So you, you was very good. Oh, yes. I was a master pretender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so I go home. Thank God I had on a trench coat. But when I got out of the car, my car seat was drenched. I went inside. I didn't talk. I didn't cry. I didn't anything. I just, I went down to the bathroom. I took off my clothes. I sat on the toilet. I felt a cramp. And then something came out of my body. And it came out in, in two, I don't, I don't know if I should call them contractions, but they, it came out in like, you know, my, my body just expelled two pieces. And I remember looking in the toilet very quickly um, and seeing mm -hmm. what had to be flesh. I flushed. I felt nothing. I felt nothing. I felt, I felt not, like the only thing I could think to tell you, Rod, is that I was yeah. numb. I, I, I remember that a sound came out of me that was like a strangled sob. But... Emotion-wise, I had none. So all the emotion was gone. There was nothing there. You were just totally numb and just there. Like you just spaced right. out. There's nothing there. Wow. And so the nurses keep calling me every day. Both of their names were Linda. There were two nurses at my doctor's office. And so Linda number one would call me on one day, and Linda number two would call me on the next day. And the older Linda... Hmm said to me, when was the last time you washed your hair? I said, what? Washed my hair? <laughs> I don't know. He's like, when's the last time you took a shower? I'm like, I think I, I, I think I take a shower once a week just to go to church and to go to the radio, and that's about it. 
Um, wow. And, you know, she kept asking, she's like, well, are you eating? Like, does coffee count as food? <laughs> and, and so she says to me, she's like, Jennifer, mm. I feel like something is wrong. I'm going to refer you to um, our psychiatry department. They have a, a woman there who deals with women and loss. However, the waiting list is very long, so I can't guarantee you when you'll get an appointment. Well, God is for me. Uh, God is for me. God is for me. Because yep. um, I received an appointment quite quickly. This and by quite quickly, I mean I got to see the doctor in the, in the beginning of the month of August. So basically, I had to wait, what, a month and a half? So I go to see the psychiatrist. She talks to me a little bit. She's very nice. Um, and then she sends me off to her resident. Now, her resident is speaking to me and keeps telling me that you're fine. This is just situational. So you're upset because mm. you lost this child. I said, okay. And the head psychiatrist comes back okay. and says, you, I have to diagnose you with major depression, depressive disorder. So they were differing in their opinion. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So I didn't care either way. <laughs> I, I just wanted to get out of the office and get back to bed. Because it's still just very numb. You're just in your own enchilada space. You don't know what's happening. You're just, just numb. I just want to be in a space where you feel safe and you don't care. But no one feels safe. Mm -hmm. That's just how you're feeling right at the moment. And, um, you know, mm. thank God for psychiatrists. Thank God for therapy. And thank God for a great medical team. My GP, my, my family doctor, keeps checking the computer um, to see what's going on with me. And when she sees that I've been seen by psychiatry, she calls me and says, Jennifer, I want you to come in. So I come in and she says to me, I really think you should stop working. I said, why? She's like, you're not well. I'm like, I'm fine. I said, I'm fine. You haven't have a show. You have a show once a week. You don't talk to anyone. You lie on the couch with a blind clothes and you're fine. fine. I, because I think I had never been so low. I had never been so low, dead. Right, right. Because yes, I'd mm -hmm. been depressed when I was younger, but it was more of a weepy kind of mm -hmm. depression. But this kind of I'm dead inside right. depression I, I had never known it. Right. Yeah, because you never and lost a child before. So it's different for sure. It'll be, you know, and knowing that you was, you was excited for you and your, your husband to bring this beautiful soul into the world. And, you know, you, you have all this dream and aspiration for this child. And now you lose this child. And the doctor mm. thinks you had no empathy at all. Just like he care and now you feel like oh my gosh i thought you know they would have empathy and they don't so like nobody yeah. cares so who cares like okay right you don't care but i don't care i'm fine you know so I but my gp she's sure, i mean we've been together forever <laughs> we've been together for over 20 years we're like old friends oh, um okay. and she knows how to get through uh -huh. to me because i'm kind of a reticent patient i'm i'm a difficult patient all my doctors can tell you that i'm kind of a pain in the butt <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen. Uh, when the doctor tells me to take a pill, I'm like, no, nah, maybe. Stop. <laughs> but uh, she's the one who knows how to get through to me. So she calls me and she says, I need you to come into the office. And I come into her office right. and she goes, listen, I'm going to put you on um, some medication to help with this numbness that you're feeling. And I said, Heather, you know me better than that. I'm not going to mm. take the medication. And so she puts her foot down. She goes, do me a favor. Take it for a month. And if you don't like it, come back and we'll have another discussion. I said, fine. I took the med. I kept going to work. But then something started happening. The numbness started to go away and was replaced by sadness. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this inexplicable, heavy, heavy, uncontrollable sadness. 
I would go to work in the morning and it got to the point where I couldn't make it past 12 o'clock. It was like a trigger in my brain at 12 o'clock where I would start to cry no matter where I was in the line at Starbucks, in the bathroom, at my desk, 12, 12, 15, 12, 30, I'm crying. Now, I don't know why I'm crying. I mean, it should seem obvious. You lost a baby, you're sad, you're crying. But (laughs) it didn't compute to me because I wasn't thinking about the loss. My brain wasn't actually thinking about anything. Hmm. I was just heavy and sad. So I keep wanting to see the psychiatrist once a month because Mm. now I'm on this, I'm on these antidepressants. Now I'm ashamed. I have to tell you, feeling a lot of shame as a black Christian woman to be on antidepressants. Do I not believe in God? You know, you go to church and and the preacher says, uh, depression is the spirit of the devil. Be gone in the name of Jesus. And you're like, okay, well, what about me? Uh, I guess I'm possessed by the same evil spirit. So um, this is where we figure out that the medication is not working. So as the timeline goes, I start my medication in August. I'm still working. Mind you, my workload had been reduced to three half days. I couldn't even work five full days. So it had been reduced to three half days. And November, the I believe it was the 26th or the 28th, um, I attempted suicide. Oh, have mercy. Hmm. And why, why would you say, oh no, I would, let me rephrase that, not why. How were you able to think of committing suicide? What, what triggered your mind to tell you, well, that's what I, I was, think I need to do? You have to understand, when I say that my, my sadness was heavy, it's almost like I was carrying a second person on my shoulders, but that that person was two or three times my size. Oh, wow. That was the weight of the sadness. And I just, I just wanted it to be done. I'm not eating. Mm. I'm either not sleeping or sleeping too much. Uh, I, I'm not functioning. Um, I couldn't think straight. My cognitive abilities had been reduced. Um, and to this day, I actually have um, scars, like cognitive scars left over, which I don't really discuss. But for you, I'll do it. Of course. Um, I lost my ability to read. And I was an avid reader. But I couldn't concentrate long enough to be able to read. Now, it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot better. Um, but I've learned to limit uh, how I read. Anyway. So I felt heavy. I felt nothing. I just, I was just looking for an extension to the nothing. But, okay, so there's so many questions I need to ask you. So first, going back when you talk about Christianity and being in church. So what advice would you give your fellow Christians, believers, who is battling depression, just like what you were going through? My what, advice what is advice this. would you give to them? If you have a headache, you take Tylenol. If you have diabetes, you get your glucose checked. You take, you take your pills. Why is it that we treat mental illness like it's not a real thing? If you are suffering and there is a chemical imbalance in your brain, why would you not get the necessary help? Well, I could defer that because some people say there's no, some, some, it could be, or it couldn't, right? And that's why sometimes, so we have to be careful what we say or do with medically and spiritually, right? Because sometimes we don't take the time to look in because everyone's story is different. Everyone is made differently and everyone goes through different things in their lives. So we, are, we shouldn't be able to judge. We should be able just to support to listen and to guide or give the direction to where these people need to go to get the help that they think. So here, here is my biggest pet peeve. It's that pastors stand up on the pulpit 
and right. deny the, ex- the existence right. of mental illness. So, and, and this is not just Every, in one denomination. Mm-hmm. I'm talking across the board. Um, and it's funny because I've been watching some documentaries about different religions around the world, and it's not just a Christian thing. Um, there is a lot of shame, but there's more stigma. It's almost like, can I catch it? You know, it's like, it's like now if somebody sneezes next to you during Corona times, you're like, oh, get away. I don't want to catch what you got. It's a little bit of that. And the fact that we are not educated mm-hmm. enough. And as much as, you know, there are so many um, people out there who are trying to educate people about mental illness, there has to be a, a more concerted effort to educate all populations about what it means to have a mental illness. Like, if you're, you know, if you're having a bad day at work, you say, oh, I'm depressed. No, you're not. You're having a bad day. Yes, but as I said before, no one knows your story. You don't know why they're having oh. a bad day. Did you ask? Did you take the time to listen? So we have to be careful when we just judge someone and says, okay, you'll be fine. It's okay. Go take a pill or just have some tea. You'll be okay. But that's so not what I'm the saying is that first, the first thing we need to do is change our vocabulary. Out of, the, out of the fullness of his heart, a man does speak. That's the Bible. Right. So sometimes we say things with our mouth and we don't realize the impact that they have. Um, so things like Mm -hmm. words like crazy, (laughs) words like possessed, things like evil spirit, those things need to come out of our vocabulary because it is stigmatizing the person who themselves is struggling internally mm-hmm. with what's going on because I don't have, I don't have like a, 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 an external uh, manifestation of what's happening inside. Right. And you know, words are very, 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 very mm-hmm. when we use it. So we have to be careful how we use our words. So, I I would say a few things. First of all, uh, pastors, leaders need to be careful about how they address mental illness because illness is illness. And all illness means is that there is an imbalance somewhere in your body that just needs to be put back. Right. And there is medication or health. Right. So I today am a functioning human being. I'm great. I'm fine. You know? Like I said, I'm in the restored portion of my story, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean, like, I went through two and a half years of therapy, medication, multiple suicide attempts before I was able to to say I am in my healing journey. So now I can ask you, so where are you right now in your healing journey? Where are you right now? Where are you? I'm beyond blessed. In the sense that uh, God didn't let me end the life that he put in me. So do you want to say, would you say that God prepared you to have that strength you have right now and that resilience that you can stand boldly? and say that boldly today that you are Um, in a good place. So I'll put it this way. I am extremely (laughs) hard-headed. And although this whole situation was, it was physical, it it was in the natural, there was something supernatural happening at the same time. Right. And in the supernatural, God was dealing with me and my control yes. issues. <laughs> ah, something yeah. we have to humble us, girls. Something we have to humble us. We have to you know, I'm going to break you so you can be able to humble yourself. So right, so I, I was telling God what's what. Go. So <laughs> I didn't ask God if it was time for me to get pregnant. I <laughs> said to God, yo, my husband and I are planning on having a baby now, so uh, yeah, get on board. <laughs> right. I want this right. So this I told God my to time. You have to just give I'm it to me right now. I'm not taking away my child. This is not what I'm saying. What 
what what I'm saying is that I went through right. I my life plan and kept asking God to co-sign. Right. <laughs> mm, that's a good Let me just I kept write going through on. my life plan asking God to co-sign. Yes. Right. And God is not a co-signer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you give him no. authority over your life, that authority is absolute. That's right. That's right. And Absolutely. notwithstanding Absolutely. the situation that I was in, the way that I was dealing with the situation was all about me. And God was mm. trying to tell me, mm. just let go. Let go. You're holding on too tight. Let go. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so then now I can ask you that. So how were you battling? Oh, can I say that therapy be is my best friend? Are today? Uh, yeah. And uh, the same way that God will use an endocrinologist to work with a diabetic, God will use a psychiatrist, a psychologist mm -hmm. to work with someone with mental issues yeah. or mental health issues. And I was always very, uh, very honest and open with my uh, mental health team that I am a Christian. I believe in God. Mind you, I hadn't been talking to God, but, you know. It, it was what it was, but um, they're the ones who helped me realize right. certain things about my behavior. They're the ones who made me realize that all of this time you've been acting like Superwoman, plus plus, when you need to act like Superwoman minus minus. Right. Right. Wow. And so That's I. Deep. Pardon? Wow. No, I was going to say I. So I accepted their help. In the right. same way that when I had cancer in my 20s, I accepted the help of the surgeon. <laughs> Have mercy. God is so yes, good. God, God has done marvelous praise. things in my Give life. And praise. the one thing that I asked him, I said, if, if I survive this, then mm -hmm. it has to be a testimony. It can't just be like... It can't just be like a random story that happened in my life. This has to be this has to be a testimony. This has to be a way to help people. And I think the one thing that I I hold very, very close to my heart is the fact that the black community needs to destigmatize mental illness. Um, we need to stop saying that people are crazy. We need to stop saying that uh, in, in, in Creole, we say, oh, that one is varied. She's varied. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had a sister who was bipolar. She's now passed. But people used to say, uh, your sister is so weird. And I would say to them, she's not weird. She has, you know, she's manic depressive. So she's probably not on her medication right now. Just be patient. Yeah. And calling things as they are, naming them, puts them in perspective. Hmm. Well, well, so that means um, that you have a community that supports you right now? Do you have a community that supports okay. you? Okay, I have my village. Uh, and, who your, and, who, and who is in your community? Um, but does my community support me? Good. I can't Good. say that they do. And it's not their fault. I don't think my community... I don't think my community is educated enough. Why not? And I'm not saying this in any kind of condescending way. Oh, not at all. Because we are, that's why we're here to bring a light for people to understand. It's nothing to be of condescending or degrading anyone or any culture. It's just letting them, because of who we are, we are so proud and we, are, we have so much pride. Mm -hmm. I, I could say it because my husband passed away of ALS and he was a very proud man. He didn't want to take the help that was needed at the time. So we tried to just figure things out. And when mm -hmm. we had to get the help mm -hmm. needed, it was already way gone in his illness. I totally understand where you're coming from. It's nothing to do right. with or putting So I think it's very important that we, culture, no. we educate yeah. ourselves. And if we're not educated, you know, the Bible says my people die because um, for lack of knowledge. Well, this is it. So, um, 
many people in the community need to die or need to be committed or need to suffer in silence until we wake up and say, okay, we've got to name this, we've got to treat this, and we've got to destigmatize this. Um, because I have a certain visibility because of, yes. of the radio, mm-hmm. I chose to do this. I chose to testify with you. This is very, very difficult for me because yeah. I, I realize that wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm shedding a, a lot oh, of my privacy right now. So who, mm. who defunk it? Tasha mm. Cobbs? Smile? Wow. You make me happy? You make me whole? You take the pain away? I'm so in love with you, Tasha Cobbs? Come on now. You wouldn't think that. But people who suffer from depression are... Ma- I don't want to say that we are manipulators. Mm. We are just... We all deserve an Academy Award for duping the people around us. And you come up with a language, a, a euphemistic language, that keeps people off your back. Hmm. So wow. I would tell people, you know, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just tired. Well, if somebody tells you they're tired, well, that explains so much. So, too, you have to be in a relationship, too. You have to have that, that relationship that you can build and, and grow together so they could work with you together to help you solve. Right. And I also want to say that people that are afraid to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist because Black people like to say, I'm not crazy. It has nothing to do with you being crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not crazy, but I went to a psychiatrist. I went to a psychologist, and if it weren't for that, I'd be dead in my grave right now. So uh, I went to see the proper medical authorities. Don't be afraid to go to the doctor. Now, there's also this issue of price. You got to pay. Yep, you got to pay. Most people have insurance through work and don't know that their insurance will pay 80%. Mm -hmm. So, really, what you're paying is 20% of whatever the fees are. Mm. If you don't have insurance and you can't pay, there are through McGill. Okay, so you know what? Absolutely. After what we do, we'll share the links of those names that you just said. We'll put it in the bottom of the Mm -hmm. podcast so people could go check it out themselves if if they so need to do so. Well, if you're a student... You can yeah. just, they have support services for free at the school. If you are not a student, then uh, there are many clinics that offer uh, a certain amount of therapy sessions for free. I repeat, for free. So there's no excuse. So with the, with the three R's, which you said, uh, is which um, one would you say? Right now, recharge, I'm in my restore, but I no longer... Why so? <laughs> I no longer drive down the road looking for a place to crash my car. You know? Amen. I'm just giving the I'm big I'm no longer ass. disappointed right when I wake up in the morning. Yes. I used yes. to wake up good and place. go, oh, crap, I'm awake? Like, I didn't die last night? I would go to bed nights and pray and say, God, okay, so suicide oh, is a sin. Fine. So can you just kill oh, me in my mercy. sleep? Um, but I'm not there anymore. Now I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm glad to be alive. I've learned to be grateful for every day. I've learned how to take care of myself. And I didn't learn this on my own. I repeat, I repeat, therapy, therapy. <laughs> therapy. Therapy works. Therapy works. We just have to accept right. and learn and to, so, to find the right person that so can So you help said us you have to find the right person. The first psychiatrist I saw was not the one for me. Yeah. And so I had to switch. The first set of medications that I took were not right for me. And so we changed four times the medication until we found the medication that worked for me and that took into consideration all of the things that I needed in my life. For example, I wanted to keep my fertility intact. So I didn't want something that could harm an unborn child. I am now four months pregnant. Praise the Lord. (laughs) 
Yay! I am a walking, talking miracle. Congratulations! <laughs> because, too, you work with a, you I don't work, work in, in the medical the, field. field. No, no, no. I don't work but in the medical field. You could but be able to navigate yourself but around those. I, right, right. Not, not only do I work with special needs, work, I'm a talker. That's what I do. Special needs. I mean, needs, I know how to talk. Right? I was able to talk myself out of it. Oh, but but honestly, what are you gonna do with you, girl? What are so you gonna do by with the you? time, <laughs> uh, by the time last August rolled around, I was I was I was I was a mess. I was still a mess. And then um, my psychiatrist had actually right. put me on a waiting list for group therapy. Um, and I got in. They called me. They told me to come in. I came in with my arms crossed and my face. My face stank because I was like, I've been through enough therapy. This is not going to work. So, and mm-hmm. it did. It, it lit so many light bulbs in my head. Um, so this, this was a different. So I told you about this so? um, off so? the air. So um, it uses a combination of all the different therapies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, except that there's no boohooing in this particular therapy. There's not that nobody cares about your story because yes, everybody gets to tell portions of their story, but the purpose is to look at yourself, to look at your behavior patterns and to see how you got to the place where you are and how to keep yourself or how to prevent yourself from going back to that place. It was really a therapy of self-understanding in terms of where we stand in humanity. So the same thing that can make me fall can make you fall. Um, And we each have different reactions to the things that happen in our lives. Mm -hmm. Not not everybody who loses a child is going to go through a major depressive episode for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Right, but somebody will lose their job and they'll stay in bed for three Everyone years. So it depends. Everyone is different. It, it depends on who you are. Um, and, and so it really taught us yeah. a lot about yes. ourselves. Yes. And it forced us, because mm-hmm. we were a group, it forced us to look at our behavior in a very critical way. But not just look, but look, identify, and change. Another nugget. Let me write it down again. Repeat it again. Right. Right. The first thing yeah. to do, if we don't see it, we can't change anything, right? So we have to see it, to identify it, and then we have to get the, the strength right. in our body and in our mindset that we could be able to change it. But we cannot still change it on our own. First, we have to have the power of God, and mm-hmm. then we have to have that source that we have right. on earth that could navigate us to get so the right this, help this, I, I, this is a therapy a that helps me. Lives. And it's an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. In the sense that we did that portion, and then they kind of give you a break um, to, to see how this, how you can use what you've learned in therapy to move through life. So I started showering regularly, and that might sound like uh, doesn't everybody shower regularly? Well, when you are depressed, my darling, no, you do not. Yeah. I had, a, I had a uniform. Yeah. I had two leggings and two sweaters that I wore every single day for two and a half years. That was my, because I didn't care. Wow. They're in the closet. Hmm. They're folded. Where are those now? Oh, <laughs> I, so the first thing I did after, so we have new colors and actually wear, my, my correct? team helped me a lot because, um, they realized how much I was using my clothing as covering, as, as a way to hide. So I was always covered mm. from forehead to toe. Mm. So I'd have hoodies or I'd have a scarf. Or I'd have something that I could wrap myself in. And so when we did our graduation, um, my homework for graduation was to go shopping because I had not bought myself clothes and Two and a half years. I didn't care enough. But you go, going through all that, yeah. you get up, you go to church, yeah. and you go to CKG every Sunday morning I, and do the I radio show. I co-hosted our 30th anniversary concert. I looked like I was great. Wow. Except if you knew me well enough, you should have seen how skinny I was. 
Yeah, you were very tiny. Yes, you were. But I was able to put up a good front. Brushing wow, my teeth. you got a story. Taking my shower. Putting on clothes that don't hide me. I know. I know. I know. And that's the place, that's the space you were in there. But looking at the bright side now, you're not there anymore. Yeah, the well, I'm starting a new job tomorrow. Studio, as you said, you're in a very great place with your R's. So we're not Hallelujah. But these are, are not the reasons why I'm healed. Woo, the healing came first. And then the, the blessings <laughs> came after. Well, I am very happy. But you know what? God was preparing you so you could be able to come back and talk to others about this and now he prepared you enough and you're strong enough right that you well, are laughing while you're talking right now to me you are not crying anymore you have the joy right mm -hmm. yes. to say thank you god although you may have your your moments for sure because we all have those moments in our lives right thank you and, and i have to tell your listeners you, i still take my medication every I'm day so proud of you. okay i'm so proud and that's and that's okay. Take it as long as you have to, so you'll be able to do Thank what you need you. to do and have the mindset you need to have to so be able to take care of this beautiful yes. baby that's on the way so, and your family. So you'll be a couple able of to things. be a whole about baby. the medication. Um, so I want people to know that there's no shame in meds. I was just okay. If you have a headache, yes. you take Tylenol. <laughs> if you're depressed, you take whatever your doctor asks you to take in order to help you. That's number one. Uh, Number two, the biggest lesson I learned mm -hmm. after learning to relinquish mm -hmm. control to God is the ability to say no. I never said no to anybody. I could be burnt out, busted, broke. If somebody asked me for something, I would say yes to the detriment of myself, to the detriment of my sleep, to the detriment of my bank account, my health. I always said yes because I wanted to make sure that I pleased everybody. And one of the best examples of being able to say no is that you and I were supposed to do this recording mm. last night. And I came home and I looked around me mm -hmm. and I started to get a headache because I was tired. There were dishes to do. I hadn't eaten. I'd been walking around all day. And so and that's I had to say no. I called you and I said, Roz, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling well. I need to rest. It's been a rough day. Can we do this tomorrow? And you know what happened? The world did not crumble. Roz doesn't hate me. Every <laughs> okay. No. Right, because people. No. <laughs> no hate, no hate. Just love, no hate. <laughs> and Roz was not upset. Roz said, that's all right. And we'll people who can't. And they know that's, that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid that tomorrow. people will love them less if they say, I can't do it right now. Oh, so you were just afraid to say no before because you think they would be upset and mad at you. So you just say yeah. yes for everything. Whereas you are dying, you are exhausted, you are tired, you are drained, but you're still saying yes. Whereas you should say no, you have the comfort of your own. But you know no. what you learn. Right, right. right. Where you are now. So with age, you have experience and you have learned to say no. Yes. Talk to the audience and give them a little bit of strength. Share something that will keep people that's going through the same thing that you have been through and they will be able to have resilience now through, the, through this pandemic because we're still going through the pandemic. How can they deal with that now through the pandemic? Because when you was going through that, there was no pandemic, right? They had the, you had the, the still the choice if you wanted to, to get up and just go to the doctor or go to the store. They don't have that right now. And it's a different era. So how can people that's going through exactly what you've been through able to manage right now? So share something, give them a... Here, here was what I realized. This shame that we carry, uh -huh. that's of the devil. Mm -hmm. um, shame, shame, shame should be a non-existent emotion if you're not doing anything wrong. Um, and... So part of, part of the reason why I begin with shame is because right. I was ashamed that I was unable to pray. But what do you tell God when you feel empty and heavy? And my grandmother used to say, singing is praying twice. 
But unless I was in rehearsal mm. or standing on a stage, you couldn't get me to sing not one note. And so I praise God for technology because YouTube became my best friend. And I allowed other people to minister mm. to me. Um, wow. I listened to... Um, I listened hmm. to a lot of praise and worship. In particular, this one guy named it's Samuel Robust, whom yeah. mm-hmm. I love. Um, I, I've had a chance to see him live twice here in Montreal. Blessed man of God. Um, and it's not that he has the best voice or anything. It's just his praise comes from his belly. His praise comes from a place that has been through and come out. Amen. And so I allowed him to yes. be my anonymous prayer partner yes. while I was unable yes. to speak to God. And so there were mm. times when my mind would wander mm. to the dark wow. places, but I would have this music in my house. And so even if it didn't bring me back completely, I would come out of the dark place and at least take a nap. So I surrounded myself with positive messages, not necessarily positive energy. And I, I don't know if your audience is fully Christian and I don't want to exclude anyone. So. It's all over the world, so generally non-Christian, Christian, non-believers, right. so believers of different things. In general, whatever, but if you don't have a world, voice, just speak to someone all find over the world. someone with a voice that can mm-hmm. speak to you in your darkness. Right. Um, and, you know, whether it's your favorite R&B album, whether it's instrumental music, I found opera in the midst of my depression. And it's very soul soothing. Love opera. Love me some opera. So mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be music. For me, it was music. I've always been a musical person, so music is what helped to soothe my soul. That's that's what helped to put a positive spin on what was happening. So I would say find something, anything that used to bring you joy. And through the magic of the internet, have that thing permeate your space. Beautiful. Well said. So now you talk generally. Now I'm going to ask you a question, the exact same question, but how would you encourage all the young mothers to be like yourself? And how they can find uh, during the pandemic while you're waiting for the bungle of this joy. Is more like you this is a more difficult question. Um, me and my bundle um, have a very special relationship <laughs> with <laughs> my sister laughs at me because she, she's like you don't exist anymore it's just this baby great. But, I can't wait find find the joy in the small things man don't let anybody don't let anybody put you down about the decisions that you've made for your life so i went out and i bought myself a pack of onesies for the baby i don't i don't know what the gender is and okay, so you are the person who I am naysaying right now. Don't uh-huh. listen to the people who tell you Wait, it's Jen. too early. <laughs> if you want to buy a crib right now, because that's what's going to make you feel good. If you want to do your Amazon uh, baby registry right now, even if you keep it private, do something that will bring you a little bit of joy at the prospect of seeing new life. Well, I, I'm just I'm just playing around because for me as a mom too, you know, the first mom to be all excited, you can't wait for the room and the clothes and just no, I know. Stones, you know, the you know things I, like, get so excited. I, I was talking so to my totally godfather and he said to me, so if it's a girl, what's the name? And if it's a boy, what's the name? Now, I'm not going to tell your listeners because I choose to keep that to myself, please. And thank you. Um, And so when I gave him the names, he naysayed. He's like, yes, oh, no, 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 I don't accept and I kind of let it get to me for a couple of seconds. And then I had to come back Hello. and say, no, That's no, your no. baby. Come my on now. My, my husband and I made the decision about names before we even yeah. knew we were pregnant. We, we made the decision on names when we got married. You, yeah, that's your baby. So nobody's going to come and they say, so be confident in the, in the decisions that you've made for your family. Very well said. Well said. Well, you know, on this podcast, 
seeing that you have a powerful voice and you have this great guy you listen to that take you out from this dark place and give you a sense of hope. We want to hear your voice, Miss Miss Jan. My voice is not that great, but I will give you the lyrics to the song that I was singing um, to myself. And it's, it's a little ditty that everybody knows. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayers. He answers prayers. He answers prayers for, for you and for me. That is the song that's been in my heart. It's so simple. It's a song that you learn when you're a child, but um, that's the song that's been in my heart because um, really I could have been dead. And I'm not saying that as a euphemism, I am not exaggerating. Um, I tried to take my life five times in the last two and a half years. None of them worked. That's right. So when I say God is so good and he answers prayers, he was not just answering mine, mm. but he was answering the prayers of the people around me who were praying for me unbeknownst to me. Unbeknownst, that's it. Sometimes when we can pray for ourselves, other people is interceding for us on our behalf. They're interceding on our behalf. So I'm so grateful to know that someone intercede and many intercede, even myself. And now that you are able to stand so, here and give this testimony to others so they can hear Oh, I do have projects so that I'm working on, and I don't know that I'm allowed to and tell. And projects but, that you're um, working okay. on right now. Let's put it this way. Okay, so I'm not allowed to tell because I haven't spoken to the lawyers yet, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do what I do, and I'll talk my way out of this with the lawyers when the time know, comes. So... Uh, <laughs> Look forward to seeing me on your screen very soon. I will be hosting, yeah, I'll be hosting a French language um, show very soon. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. I'm so excited for you. And I hope as embark on this new journey that you do amazing. And knowing you and the person that you have, you are, you will do well. And oh, girl, and you know, Ross, this town has so many aunties and uncles. I am I can so blessed. And pandemic or no pandemic, I am building my oh. village. I, it takes a village to raise a child. I refuse to raise a child on my own. <laughs> so here's the deal. If you would awesome. like, ooh, if, if you'd like to find me online, right. I think the best place <laughs> to find me is probably Facebook, although... I am so not a social media person. I need to hire a personal assistant who will post yes. online for me because I, <laughs> I can't be bothered, mm -hmm. honestly. But it's Jennifer Belot. It's spelled B-E-L-O-T. Um, <laughs> that's the name that I have on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Jennifer Florin, which is my middle name, F-L-O-R-A-I-N-E. Um, and my email if somebody wants to reach out to me is jenniferbello at gmail.com right and can you repeat those um free you uh, that yes they have so free if you, you are get, in university then there's always uh, social services available for yes. students that's free um if you if you have insurance through your work your insurance actually has a list of psychologists, pardon me, that are available in your area, um, your doctor should be able to refer you to a psychiatrist who then will be able to give you a list of people that are specialized in whatever it is that you're going through. I was referred to a psychologist who specialized in women and loss. And so that's what I was going through. Right. That's who I went to see. Um, and, of course, there are free resources okay. through um, McGill especially because they are the medical mm -hmm. school in, in the English uh, section of the city. Um, they do have free resources that they offer. They are, they are multiple. Like, there are multiple services. So what I'll do is I'll get that information to Roz, and she'll link it um, in. Perfect. Appreciate it. Miss Jan, I appreciate you. September. I am blessing you, only blessings upon you and my beautiful yes. baby that will be born so soon. When is your yeah, due date? Yeah, September 30th. My little bundle of joy is coming. Ooh, um, and so Rob, I really do want to thank you for this opportunity. I, I really hope Daddy. that um, as imperfect as my words yes. were, that somebody was able to understand that if you are suffering, don't suffer in silence. Go and get help. That is the biggest thing that I can say. 
don't be ashamed. Go out and get help. I thank you, Ms. Jen. It was very nice talking to you. Thank you for joining me on the platform of the Archery and Raws. And I hope you come back to yes. share so much about your, your screen time and your ba- beautiful baby that will be born in September. And give us all the updates that's necessary. Don't leave anything out. It is time to break the silence and take off the mask. Our community needs to be more warm and welcoming and no longer learn to leave them in the cold. We need to stand up and help others. That is needed. Recognizing that we all need support at some times in our lives is a strength that can ease the pain of changed circumstances. Whether it's the relief of sharing your worries with a trusted friend, asking for particular help with daily tasks, or seeking the advice of a professional, All can help ease you through times of changes when you are overwhelmed. Check out what help is available for you. Maybe the people that you know, your workplace, your school, and in your community. If you don't feel you have an existing network, many organizations exist with nationally or locally to offer information, advice, and support, often for little or no charge at all. So don't be afraid. You know, our culture, it is a taboo to say that I have mental issues. It is wrong to ask for help or to get help because we need to be strong, as they would say, or oh, don't do that, or oh, don't do that. Nothing is wrong with you because it shows a sign of weakness. But we are not weak. So don't be afraid to go and ask, as I said before. Learn. Get educated so when you know, you can help others. So that you can help whoever you see needs the help and they are going through because you have been through. You will see the signs and you will be aware of what you need to do and say to encourage them, to support them, to give a helping hand or a listening ear and just to know that you are there. Or probably what they just need is a hug. So don't be afraid to say how you feel, to say what you're going through, to find the help you need and seek the help to find that you can become whatever you need to become in your mind when you strengthen it mentally, emotionally, and physically. So I always say, be selfish enough to love yourself so you can love others. Thank you for listening, and I pray that you find peace within your heart and your mind. Hey guys, please don't forget the Archery and Raws Run, supported by the ALS of Quebec. It will take place this summer on Sunday, the 27th of June, from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Run a 3K up to a 10K. Your choice. Please share this wonderful event with all of your friends or as many people as possible to support the run or you can just donate. Check out the link in my podcast. Peace. I feel the love. I receive it and I'm giving it right back to you guys. Thank you.